Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Last week we talked about letting go. And we uh, went through different layers of what that needs to look like uh, in your life. Very important process without letting go process in your life. You're carrying way too much baggage and your energy drains are extremely significant. Today we're going to talk about take up mercy. And this again is relationally fundamental. You have to let go of things. This is true. And even good things to make, to make way for better things. This word that we're about to cover a little bit today is a word that is extremely necessary in life. In fact, I don't believe you can build a relationship without it. Because without it, distance increases every time. There's one thing that's guaranteed in every relationship, friendship all the way through to marriage, siblings, everything. And you see it all the time. Is there is going to be some hurt. There's going to be some dysfunction. There's going to be some bad choices. And those things all push us apart. You may be pushed apart right now from your family. You might be pushed apart from your, in your marriage. You might be pushed apart with friendships. Wherever you see those energies pushing you apart, I only know of one thing that brings it back together. And that's what we're going to talk about today, and that's mercy. The whole fundamental of the Christian faith is based on this word. This is what Jesus came to do. He is and brought the gift of mercy. Mercy is where you receive something that's great and good, but there is no way that you could flip the bill. You didn't earn it. There's no way that you could put yourself in a place where somehow you actually are responsible for this kindness that you have received. I'm going to tell you two stories quickly here from the scriptures that will illustrate kind of two channels of mercy. One is before God. There has to be mercy in this relationship. Without mercy from God, you and I have no relationship with God, no potential of a relationship with God because God is holy. We are fallen in sin. We don't necessarily understand what that means, but that means that you are completely cut off. The Bible says your sins have cut you off from God. So that means there is no access, there is no bridge, that's nothing. Jesus Christ came and brought mercy because the only way that that gap could be bridged was mercy. And that's what the cross is all about. Him taking on flesh so that he could die. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He actually came and became one of his creation. A human being amongst us, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And that began the process of this first form of mercy, which is the mercy to heal the relationship between us and God. Now, most of us as Christians have a pretty good handle on that message. Uh, Sometimes Christians get caught up in legalism and works and think somehow, you know, they earn it or maybe after they receive grace, they think they have to keep it by the works. And it comes back to their own energies and practices. But in essence, everything that you receive from God is a gift of mercy. God has given you what you don't deserve, a kindness instead of judgment. It's an amazing story. A story that illustrates that is a story found in the book of John, and I'll relate it quickly to you. There was a Samaritan woman who had been through five relationships 
And the relationship she was currently in was not her own, was not, was not married. So you get the idea, broken cycle, just broken cycle uh, in her life. Obviously a lot of things pushed down, repressed, and uh, not a lot of hope when it came to relationships. In fact, it, by the context of the star, we know that she had been cut off from her community. Uh, she was coming out alone at noontime to draw water, and Jesus chose to travel that way back to Judea. It was a long way around, and it was also the land of the Samaritans, which, by the way, were the people that the Jewish people really hated. Uh, largely because they were considered Gentile, but they were half Jewish, and so there was this huge prejudice. Jesus told his disciples, we must, we have to go through Samaria. We're going through. He had a divine appointment. She comes out at noon, all the other ladies have come out in the morning. And at noon, Jesus meets her at the well. He sits down, and then he asks her, would you draw me some water? She has a huge response. It's kind of interesting. She has a huge response. It says, who are you talking to me, a Samaritan and a woman? Two, two things broken right there culturally. Jesus was breaking cultural rules all the time. By the way, love does that. Then he began to have a conversation with her. And the conversation went along this line of just saying uh, to her, lady, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me to give you water. And she said, well, who are you? To which Jesus said basically to her, I am the Messiah. And I've got water that's going to spring up in you to life eternal. Do you know how strangest message would have sounded to her in her condition. That somehow she understood the word Messiah. God has come. The rescuer is here. She has this amazing response in the finality of it after they have a few little argumentative things as she plays her defensive cards. And once she exhausts all of her defensive cards, the card game ends with her returning to the village to spread the word, come see a man that told me everything that I've ever done, because Jesus revealed to her some of her brokenness in history. A bunch of the villagers came out, and they also found Jesus because of this lady's testimony. This is a powerful story that illustrates Jesus has an appointment with all of us in which he is there to bring us what only he can bring, which is a water that satisfies forevermore, eternal life, given as a gift, absolutely free. That's the first stream of mercy for the Christian. The second stream of mercy is found in a different story. We're going to take time to read this one out of Luke chapter 10. You know this one, but I want you to read it with me and listen as we go through. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. 
Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? You see, this is, again, eternal life is, is, it, is the question, really. And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. It's true. If he could do that, he would live. But there is no man or woman under God's son that can do this perfectly. We are not born with the heart or the capacity to do that. We have a heart that looks after our own interests more than the interests of others. Sin is prevalent within us right from birth. The man wanted to justify his actions because he knew he didn't do this perfectly. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Some people think they're so clever. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, now he names, he doesn't just say a man. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Remember the prejudice cycle we talked about? And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Another Jewish, but now a professional religious entity. This priest comes along, walks by on the other side, and he leaves this man in the condition he's in. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the, of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant also walked over and looked at him lying there. Another guy, a Levite, comes along, another Jewish professional religious entity of the temple. But he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. You see what he's doing here? This is a Jewish lawyer that's asking him this question, this clever man. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asked the clever lawyer a question. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There's always natural things to push people apart, whether it be of race or whether it be of disappointment in people and their choices or whether it might be unwashed laundry from this relationship that goes back years. But the same thing is required to bridge any gap and it's mercy. It's interesting that we, when we have these gaps, we tend to push for law. Judgment, justice, justice. It's what they did to me. Now they have to change before I'm going to ever 
give them any mercy. Well, that's not mercy. That's judgment. That's justice. God is the only one that is just. He's the only one qualified to mete out any form of judgment. That's why they t- we are told not to do this. That doesn't mean we don't judge right and wrong. It means we don't judge the soul. Here we find an interesting gap between this Samaritan. You would think the cultural gap would be enough between the first two passers-by. You think they would be enough to say, oh, there's a man that uh, he's Jewish, he's wounded, bad condition, needs attention, going to go over and cultural things break down. It would have cost them time. One said, oh, I'm late. I got to be at the temple. Does this make sense to you? I got to be at the temple on time, so I'm going to ignore the work of mercy. Sometimes we as Christians, I think, sometimes don't recognize the opportunities for mercy to bridge gaps. Rather, we reinforce gaps. We kind of like that. Because it does give us sort of a self-centered control of our time, energies, finance, and everything else. Relationships that suffer from that have no way to come back together. Mercy must be given. Talk to a couple about the distance in their relationship. That's what they were experiencing, was distance in their relationship. They told me their cycle was more like, well, we never finish the conversation. We never finish. If there is conflict that comes, we will get our shouts in, and then we wait. We never finish the conversation. We just wait. Then after a few days or a few weeks, then, okay, we come back together, but nothing was actually bridged. We can just ignore the heat of it now. The heat is drained out of us. And so now we live a cycle without mercy and only of convenience. Relationships take great harm from that. Friendships, relationships and siblings. I've heard way too many stories about this in siblings. Relationships between mother, father, and children. Relationships just, just in marriage. This kind of distance is never going to be bridged with a cycle that never enters into mercy. You will offend the people you love. And they will offend you. This is without doubt. If you're looking for the perfect mate the perfect person, they're already married, okay? (laughs) In this powerful story that Jesus told to deal with a man's false intellect, an intellect that was still based on cycles that never ever brought mercy, 
didn't know what mercy was. Jesus ends with the final statement to him. He gives him a commission and he says, yes, now go and do the same. Go do it. When it comes to mercy giving, as a Christian, you definitely have the capacity to do this because you have received from that first channel we talked about, a God who loves us to such a degree that he sacrificed everything for us and brought mercy as a capacity to be able to join us together with himself, to bridge that gap. And he wants you to go and do the same. See, we aren't just receivers of mercy. We are to be initiators of mercy. We are to bring it into the things in our life that are relationally based. Was it not Jesus that said, ah, my highest quality of love for you is you love your enemies. That's not a normal thing. Is that a normal thing? That's not a normal thing. Love your enemies? That's all. That, that, I don't know about for you, but for me, that's like goes into the file. Uh, I have to think about that. And yet, if you do not learn to love your enemies, even your friends will one day become enemies because mercy will not channel down that route which pushes you apart. It's the practice of love and mercy that maintains the relationships you have and brings them into excellence. It is the practice of mercy that also keeps the ones that you have in a good state. And it will initiate in relationships a correct beginning by being mercy bringers. Knowing this is the most important fundamental of building relationship. Any friendship you start, you should go in absolutely prepared to say, I am ready to bring mercy. I think the wedding vows we should strengthen a little bit. That address this word. That I will give the gift of mercy at every occasion, in every way that I possibly can. Mercy. Setting us free without, with, without cost. It costs it cost you, but it costs them nothing. If you give them mercy, you're taking judgment out of the picture. Let me give you some common places of needed mercy giving in this world. Does anybody know anybody in a crisis? Anybody know anybody in a crisis? There's no crisis out there? Okay. You know, you got some people in crisis around you? Guess what? Guess what you're to bring? Mercy. They're in crises. They're in a financial crisis. But boy, if we spent like them, we would be too. They need to just learn how to manage their books better. I mean, they made their choices. Oh, ouch. Mercy is something we bring and we don't have to measure out, we bring it without measure. 
In Galatians 6.2, it says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ, which is love the Lord thy God with everything you got and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Isn't that interesting? In crises, we are to bring that kind of mercy. Each one of us needs to get that. Another area is unmet needs. There's so many unmet needs. And it's getting worse in this world. Largely because relationships are breaking down because relationships are now categorized. There's so much tribalism. If you believe this and I believe that, we can't talk. We can't get together. We can't have a decent conversation. If you eat that and I eat that, well, I can't talk to you. I can't believe you're a meat eater. What? Well, who do you think you are as a vegetarian? Malnourished, that's what I say. <laughs> but we can't talk. There's all kinds of reasons for Jesus not to talk to that lady. He broke two big cultural rules in doing so. cultural rules have you broken that were your own culture maybe culture in the home you grew up with they need to be broken because they're pushing people away unmet needs each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us asking ourselves how can I help how can I help that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. There's an old saying, it goes something like this. It's, I, I love humanity. I just hate people. <laughs> Funny is that that's actually a practice. I love them all, but people, that's a little too close. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way scripture puts it. He just put on the troubles of the troubled. And you say, oh, that's so tiring. No, tiring is watching three movies a night. Going to work, getting home, Watching three movies a night, that's tiring. What is invigorating is any kind of exchange where God allows you to be part of a process of bringing value into people's lives around you. And then the, the beauty of that becomes when you see the love and the mercy that you have been a part of bringing, start to fill their cups a little bit and produce the kind of beauty that only that will bring. Close the gaps. That is invigorating to close relational gaps in life. You get a payback for that. The grieving. Anybody know anybody grieving? You know there's all kinds of losses. It's not just losing a loved one. You can lose finances, a home. You can lose a job. You can lose health. You can lose joy. You can lose a lot of things in life. 
What do you do with the grieving? Because we all are grieving different losses at different times. Second Corinthians says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that, here we see, right, the two great commandments. He comforts us, that's his channel with us. And then he says, now I want the other channel. Like, you know, remember this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's saying, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You got it through this channel, now live it out in this channel and complete it. There's a cycle you want. It's interesting. To take on the burden of another person does not mean that you can heal everything. To give mercy doesn't mean you're always going to get the best outcome. And even the mercy of comfort, that's a comfort. Mercy, that's a mercy. When you comfort somebody, that's, that's giving them a mercy. It doesn't mean you're going to get all the outcomes you want. But you're staying true to the DNA. You're the one stopping on the road. You're the one that can't walk by. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. How many here have ever drove, driven by somebody that was on the side of the road and uh, you didn't know exactly what was going on and they were fixing something on their vehicle and it's like you drove by and you were thinking, well, wonder if I should stop, wonder if I shouldn't stop, wonder if I should stop, wonder if I shouldn't stop. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we're weighing that out in life. I wonder if I should stop. This person at work is just, right now, I can tell, they are so low. How do, do I stop? Do I, what do I do? Here's what I want to tell you. Error on the side of mercy. The disconnected. This is huge. The number one thing that people are looking for in life is connections. And the disconnected, which can happen many different ways, but certainly it happens uh, within our culture through, uh, we would say, it's easy for us to let the garage door come down and have the doors locked in. Matthew 25, 31 to 46, but I just chose one phrase out of it. I was alone and you welcomed me, you, and you welcomed to me and showed me hospitality. Hospitality, oh boy. It seems strange today that you should invite a stranger, almost an unknown, a brand new person in your circle out to your home for dinner. It almost seems strange that that would be the case. Because it's just not really what people do. In fact, it almost seems forward these days, but I want, I want you to know that just not even a generation ago, this was a normal practice. Come on over for dinner. Their homes and their lives were set up like Velcro to connect. Nowadays, it's the disconnect. Hospitality is a huge biblical doctrine and it, it, it teaches us that we need to practice love in practical ways towards other people. In fact, it goes into this, it says, you know, if, if you're practicing hospitality, you don't know it, but sometimes you may have entertained an angel unaware. 
My wife entertains an angel at every meal. Oh, thank you for that. Hospitality. How many here love good food? How many here love bad food? We need to talk, buddy. I can give you a few restaurants, okay? How many here like to, you know, just kind of have like warm times with people? You just kind of enjoy being together with people in relaxed settings. Some of you are thinking beach right now. I know that. You just like to be together in nice settings. Don't raise your hand on this one. When was the last time you invited somebody that you had met no more than twice over for a dinner? Don't raise your hand on this, okay. There's somebody who wants to show off. I know you do. Why? Have you ever thought and just step back and say, why? Oh, we're so busy. How's that filling your cup? Maybe we live it too safe. There are so much disconnection in our society right now. People are so hungry to be connected to other people that we have now sort of this tribal thing emerge. Everybody's trying to find their little tribe, their little group. You know, that's what beer ads are all about. That's what it's about. That's what a lot of sports can be about. Find a little tribal group. The fallen. Whew. The fallen. Those that, yeah, like you, made some really bad choices, going through a very hard, difficult time. Second Corinthians 2 verse 7, when people sin, you should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. Here's, that is, that is, you see, you can't stop people from sinning, but you can stop them from giving up. Did you catch the difference? You can't stop their choices, but you can stop them from giving up. How can you do that? Well, we are told right there in that scripture. When people sin, here's what you should do. Forgive and comfort. Did you catch the comfort? Forgive and comfort so they won't give up. Instead of sit back and say, oh man, I knew you are going to end up here. Oh, this was all predictable. When are you going to shape up? I won't go into any more of these because I think we use those a fair bit. Forgive them and comfort them because you can interrupt despair. Where does the enemy work? It's not so much in the sin. It's in the despair, the hopelessness that Jesus Christ defeated. Because he gave us grace, mercy. (laughs) 
the hurtful. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Oh, there's another cycle. Do you see it? What a great cycle. Don't repay evil for evil. That's a lost cause. Because all you've done is increase in that circle. That cycle is evil. So you doubled up the evil. And then we can quadruple up the evil. And Don't repay evil for evil. You said, but I want to. That's probably a good reason not to. He will not, it says, or don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Have you ever had somebody insult you driving around Grand Prairie? I recognize a few of you. You know the insult, right? You know the... And what do you want to do back? Yeah, okay. I, I want to help this guy calm down and go home with, to his family a little bit calmer. So I'm going to give it back to him. <laughs> evil for evil. We're not here to increase evil, folks. It all do that all on its own. You don't, rep- you don't repay evil for evil in your families. You don't repay evil for evil when it comes to broken relationships. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Oh, Lord, bless him, especially that middle finger, the stay, Lord, bless him. You think that's strange? How do you stop evil? That is what God has called you to do. And then this is the other part of the cycle of blessing. You bless them and he will grant you his blessing. What is that saying then? This is 1 Peter. So what is that saying? It's saying if you become a blesser of even your enemies and those that have going to wrong you and they're going to insult you and you don't just pay evil for evil, you're going to pay them back with a blessing, then what God's going to do is he's going to grant you his blessing. That's when you go home with peace, You let go of any of the entanglements that just happened. You go home with a a calmness, a strength, maybe even a deep joy. Because his blessing is upon you because you did something that he did for us when we cursed him. He blessed us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Forgive them, Father. They don't know. They don't know. How are you doing out there? Who here is under-challenged right now? Okay, let's go for it more then. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Oh, wow. You know what that just was saying? 
he keeps a full record. He's watching, he sees it, and he's going, oh man, whoa, I can't believe you just did that. That's amazing. That's just amazing. Showing mercy to your family. Let's quickly take a look at that. How do you do it? How do you show mercy right within your own family? Relationally speaking, this is all relationship stuff. If you don't bring mercy, you have no relationships that are growing in health and strength. You're being pushed apart. Life will do that. Your busyness, the priorities, all the different perspectives you have, the holding ons that you might have, it's pushing you apart. In your family, it's doing that also. We don't often see that gap emerge, but because you have, if your priorities moved away from the relational realm of your family, they, you are actually pushing them away from you. You don't think of it that way, but that's actually what you're doing. When you get caught up in your own entertainment and just your own plans, you are just pushing them away. When you are doing everything, every hobby you can imagine, but the relational connection is not being strengthened, then you are not bringing mercy to your family. It's a very self-centered way to do that. Psalm 101, 2 in Living Bible says, Lord, I want to live a blameless life. But how I need your help, Lord, especially in my own home, where I long to act as I should. That might be how you feel right now. In fact, I hope it is. Lord, you know I want to do that. Now, how do I do that? Number one, by overlooking irritations and offenses. Okay, how many here have a brother, a sister uh, that just causes you irritation? Oh, come on. You, there's a lot of dishonest people. I'm going to talk on lying next week. <laughs> okay, how many here have a spouse that just, don't raise your hand, don't elbow. <laughs> they just irritate you. They do things that irritate you. You want me to tell you some of the things Linda does that irritates me? Forget it. We all have developed these little things. Oh man, why does she have to do that? Why does she have to say it that way? It's irritating. You can even get easily angered over that. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love is not irritable or easily angered. You know, when you get angry easy, just with these little irritations that are in life, do you know what that tells you? It tells you that you are not bringing mercy. You are bringing judgment. I'm judging you. I don't like that. Stop it. There are certain things that at dinner tables can be done that are awfully irritating. Just ask my wife. But if you get easily angered on these things, where's the mercy? Anger is a good, a good uh, emotion. It's the most mismanaged emotion. If it's managed correctly, it can lead to great motivations and energy towards good. But when it's just about our own self-centeredness, then we're dealing with irritability from others. We get easily angered. Proverbs 17, 9, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them separates even close friends. What's it saying? Just what I've been telling you. It's going to push you apart. It's going to push you apart. Love brings you together. Love forgets mistakes. Do you expose their mistakes? 
It is to your glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19.11. More or less, it speaks to you of the health of your soul and how, uh, the, how much of the Lord's love you really have in your life that it, it brings glory to you to overlook an offense. When you get offended, it tells you that you probably are relating to what took place in a self-centered way if it doesn't get put to bed real fast. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. If irritations are bothering, you know, I read an article years back. I don't know how true it is today, but years back they did. The number one reason uh, coming up for divorce was, was not anything, one major deal. It was crazy things like ir- irritations. It was irritations. It was, they never, they always, you recognize those terms? They never, they always. Second, by being kind when they don't deserve it, but need it. They need it, they need it. They need your kindness. Kindness is mercy. Mercy brings kindness. Mercy is kind. By being kind when they don't deserve it, but need it. They said something, they did something. They went into their silent closet. They became hurtful in their own way. They don't deserve it, but they need your kindness. That's one thing I can't resist, you know, from Linda. It's kind of funny, but you know, you get in a mood or something on something and you find yourself just pulling back or you, you, you want to kind of have a, a fight or whatever. And then she goes and brings kindness. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the woman can't read the signs, you know, that it's time for a fight. <laughs> she brings kindness. I mean, she really does. I'm not kidding you here. She does this incredibly often. And I have no defenses to it. That's the power of mercy. Don't be hateful to people just because they are hateful to you. Rather, be good to each other and to everyone else. Three, we hit this one last week, at least a bigger slice. This is just by letting go of past hurts. You see, what's going on in relationships is the laundry kept over, right? Because there's never everything, anything resolved because mercy has not been brought into the cycle. So if mercy's never brought into the cycle, all you have is the performance-based things and you will never be accurate on the uh, performance-based things. It's always going to be more their fault than your fault. Uh, It's always going to be something that never achieves a balance or can do anything good. And so this is why we are not qualified to have these kinds of cycles of judgment and uh, towards each other. We need to have no record of wrongs. That's mercy. We got wrongs in our marriage going back. But there's no record. Remember when you, I'll never forget when you Ouch. Record of wrongs. Love keeps no record. Why? Because mercy is interjected into the cycle. I received it. He says, I need to give it. I give it. I received it. I give it. Number four, by believing God is working 
in their lives. You know, when you hit the lowest point relationally and it's gone into where the wrong forms of anger have emerged, resentments, bitterness is, it's really hard to believe that anything could ever change. Relationships can just lead us into places of such hopelessness, but we're talking about fresh hope. And fresh hope, I want to tell you, is in mercy in relationships. If you bring mercy, there is always fresh hope. If you refuse to bring mercy, number one, you are blocking God's blessing in your life personally, and you are bringing no blessing into the relationship. You have to bring mercy because you receive mercy without any purchaseability on your part. It is a kindness that God gives you and there must be a kindness that we give from our hearts and not have cycles that are just judgment and no mercy within them. Love. The Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, who's my neighbor? There was a time when a Jewish man got beaten up on a business trip going to Jericho. He's lying half dead on the side of the road. The robbers are gone. A religious man, everybody would look at him and put him up the ladder and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks by because he's got to get to the temple. He has no... Time for mercy, even to his own cultural buddy. Another one, a little lesser down the scale of the temple authorities, comes by and does the very same thing. But then a Samaritan, the hated Samaritan. Ooh, can you believe those people? They want to say that they're just as good as us oh he comes along and he stops and he binds up the guy's wounds with healing things puts him on his own donkey takes him to an end gets him care pays for the care even pays for if the care extends the two silver coins he left I will pay you for this man's full Full, full recovery. Hmm. Let's stand. We've all got them. Cycles without mercy. Mercy is... God's practice of love. It needs to be in every part of your life. In the closing moments of this, I hope that you will invite him to forgive you for cycles of judgment with no mercy. You can judge the right or wrong. You cannot judge the person. You must give mercy because you have received mercy. Because God has a cycle with you where you get mercy. No matter how badly you've broken it, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how many times, it don't matter. You got it. 
So let's start with the first channel. If you're here today or online, which some of you are because you are afraid of a little bit of snow. <laughs> I want to tell you, I have no cycle of judgment towards you. <laughs> Yet. The first cycle is, right now you're in a cycle of judgment with God, even though he's offering you mercy, but you decide, nah, I don't need that kind of thing with God. Forget that. Yeah, you do. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You break God's laws all the time. Frankly, that's where we all have come from. That's where we all are. Can you believe this? I still break God's laws, but I have mercy in my cycle with God. That's the difference, because I have Jesus, so I have mercy in my cycle. You only have judgment. Because Jesus has to come in and bring God's mercy. He is God's mercy to you. You just receive him. We say it this way, as your savior. From what? The cycle of judgment. Don't stand in your sin before a holy God. Stand instead in a cycle of mercy and trust the cross, trust the shed blood of Jesus, trust his power to bring forgiveness. And you just do that with a little bit of faith that asks him for that. So we're going to give a prayer that you can repeat in your heart, if you wish, to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and to bring mercy into your cycle with God. But then the bigger part of this crowd is the second cycle. Brokenness, relationships pushed apart, distance growing, hopeless it seems, you need fresh hope. Here's where it's found. Mercy needs to be interjected into that cycle. How do you do that? We've gone through them. Forgive. Let it go. Let God have it. Get clean. Give mercy. You say, I don't deserve it. Neither do you. You don't deserve to receive it. And to be honest, you don't deserve the privilege of giving it. But he's given you that privilege. So give mercy. Break the cycle. Set a new one. In this relationship, I'm going to make sure I have huge doses of mercy. If you knew my wife, you'd know how big the dose has to be. made an appointment with a Samaritan woman at a well. Five relationships of marriage broken through. Just and then in a relationship now without marriage. He confronts a lawyer and gives him the best opportunity to be a mercy giver. Challenges him to change his ways. Change your life. Quit being religious. You're walking on the other side of the road and you know it. Change your life. Get in the mercy business. You go and do likewise. Break the cycle. You say, but it's unfair for me to give kindness. 
If you want to work a fairness, justice model, you lose every time. Fathers, we bow our heads in your presence to close this service. We have learned, Lord, how immediate mercy must be in our relationships to bring them together, to keep them in a good state. Mercy is the big thing. If we're waiting for other people to perfect something or to do the right thing or, oh God, we're going to have so much brokenness and distance. For those of you that need to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your life to change your cycle with God from one of judgment to one of mercy. You receive his mercy, you get all you need. No lack. You'll never run out of it. You'll always have more mercy. Greatest gift possible. And you can grow together with God. Here's a prayer for you in the quietness of your heart. And you say, Father, I am a sinner. I've broken your laws every which way. I need you to forgive me. I need mercy in this cycle with you. And so I receive Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins, who rose again to offer me the gift of eternal life, which I receive by the mercy, just the kindness of you. I accept this in Christ's name. For us as believers, I pray for you to close this. This world needs mercy, God. This city needs mercy. We are your people called by your name. May it flow through us. May it increase through us. And may there be an incredible amount of mercy brought into cycles where right now there's none. Break us and deliver us from this idea of these cultural connections that don't even work. And I pray instead we will learn to look for the opportunities to bring mercy and recognize what a privilege it is to bring kindness, increase kindness, and really bring change into our families, our friendships. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.